So good to see you here. It is awesome to be in church. Thank you for praying with me for uh, the things that we talked about before. I actually have a video up on Black History Month that talks about what happened there in abortion. So check it out on my website. And the Facebook video or the baptism video is on Facebook. So please share if you care, if you love seeing lives change because that's what's up. And uh, if you haven't got your baptismal certificate, get it because we got it for you today. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4.17. We're in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. We're learning about being in him. Somebody say in him. Thank you about being in Christ, in our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through Jesus. So that's how we get down with the triune God. Through Jesus, I get to participate in the Trinity. I get to share in the divine nature, as the Bible says. So I get to be godly, God-like. That's what that word means, godly, God-like. And so what we're learning now in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 is the instructions for Christian living, which I've talked about before. It's not always easy and fun to talk about as a pastor because all we want to talk about, you know, Generally, is the easy stuff, the nice stuff, but this is a whole passage that tells us as Christians how we ought to live. So look at your neighbor and say, watch your toesy-woesies, because your toesy-woesies may be stepped on a little bit, but you know I love you a lot of bit, okay? So they may get stepped on a little bit, but you know I love you a lot of bit. And here's the deal. You can say, oh my, oh me, or you could say amen. Somebody say amen. So to me, I want all that the Bible says. I want it all. So here's the section we're going to talk about today, putting off falsehood and putting on truthfulness. We're going to learn how to get rid of lying. How many want to get rid of lying, right? Nobody here wants more lies in their life. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We want the truth. So this whole passage that we're reading right now is going to take me a few minutes to go through. We're going to do it during this section of the Bible because I want you to hear it every time we get together. Okay, So every time we get together, I'm going to read chapter 4, 17 to 520. It takes about two or three minutes, add a few in there for me to add my commentary. I hope you're getting this. So read the book of Ephesians once a week. If you haven't committed to it already, take a chapter a day. You can knock it out in six days. Or you can put it on audio Bible, boom, 20 minutes in my audio. Audio Bible is better than your audio Bible because mine has hip hop. So I tell you this. I'm so serious. Street Lights app. Get it. Street Lights app. The Bible over hip hop. I love it. Doing my exercises and I hear it just motivates me. Okay. Everybody got to get their motivation. That's where I get mine. So get with the program. Get with the book of Ephesians. It's a book written for you to understand and watch what it will do in your life. I promise you it will change your life. I've been in the series now over a year, so that means that's been 52 weeks. I've read it every week, and I get something new every time. Every time, either by audio or by reading it. So let's start in Ephesians 4.17. Paul says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do and the futility of their thinking. Now to understand why Paul just said why I tell you this, you've got to understand the book of Ephesians. The first basic four chapters of the book is all about being heavenly minded. Some may say heavenly minded. Thank you. Now, you might have heard that saying, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. That's a lie. You should be so heavenly minded that you change the earth for good. That's how Jesus lived, right? So when we read the book of Ephesians, we see all of these things in the first four chapters that Paul just blows our mind with, that we're blessed in heavenly places with Christ, and that we're meant to know God. That's his first prayer, and God makes us alive by his grace, not by our works, and there's a new humanity coming, both Jew and Gentile, and that Paul Paul prays again his second prayer that we would know God's love. And then he teaches us the disciples' creed that we'll be saying for eternity. You know, there's one God, the Father, one Spirit, one Son, the Lord, you know, and one baptism. These things are awesome. And then he talks about the ministry of the church and that the church will remain when governments are gone. When this whole system of the world, you see it as now, this age is gone. The church remains. Can I hear an amen? See, that's the heavenly-minded stuff. But then in chapter 4, verse 17, he makes that transition. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord because now he's going to tell you what he wants you to do as a Christian. Because Christianity is not just a mental ascent to beliefs and ideals and good ideas. It's putting your walking to your talking. And so when we look back at this passage right here, what we see is that Paul is insisting on it. He's using the most strongest language possible. He says, I tell you all of this, that you're saved by grace, you're seated in heavenly places because I want to insist on something. 
that you don't live like non-Christians. That's what Gentile means. They're a non-Christian. That you don't live like them. And why are they so messed up? Why are non-Christians so messed up? Because their thinking is futile. He says, I don't want you thinking like them. Don't think like people who don't know God. What is futility? Futility is doing this while you're falling 10,000 feet in the air from a plane and expecting the air to stop you. That's futile. This is what the world is like trying to save itself as it's going to hell. You can't save yourself. You cannot change the course of events. God will judge the world. These things we see now as common will be held accountable one day. So don't think like them. God's not saying I don't love them. God says he loves the whole world. But he's saying don't think like them. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Why do they have all the problems that they have? Because their hearts are hard. All of us have been there. All of us have gone this way before, the Bible says. None of us are born Christians. We're actually born sinners. That's why we have to be born again Christians. See, no one taught my three-year-old how how to have a hard heart and lie to me. I'm watching my three-year-old at the corner of my eye do something she's not supposed to do. And so I track with her and I say, what are you doing? She lies and says, I'm not doing anything wrong. Then at that moment, Bethany, Bethany, my older daughter, says, there's gum missing out of my purse. There's gum missing out of my purse. And so then I say, I say, Zoe, what did you do? What did you do? Listen, her hard heart, no one taught her this on her own for 20 minutes minutes she lies to me y'all smiling but she lies to me for 20 minutes and says she's done nothing and then I follow the path step by step by step and I come to the garbage can and I say something tells me to look inside there I look inside there and there's the pack of gum am I telling the truth Bethany who taught my three-year-old how to be so hard-hearted who taught my three-year-old to be separated from the life of God in her thinking See, we're born sinners, aren't we? No one teaches us to lie, but we need to be taught to tell the truth. Now, God in his mercy says if children die, they go to heaven. They're not held accountable for what they can't acknowledge. Okay, they can't acknowledge it yet. That's why we have to teach them. But the idea is that's what we're all born into. And in verse 19, it says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. This is the lifestyle they live because they've lost all sensitivity. So now imagine I'm not a good parent or a godly parent, and I don't teach them the morality. Now my daughter is living a life without any sensitivity. She'll lie right to your face as a grown woman. She'll lie right to your face as a politician. Hello, Hillary Clinton. Hello. Lie right to your face as cheating on you. Hello, Donald Trump. I'll bring them both up here. Are you listening? Lie right to your face. Lie right to your face and not care about the pain it causes you. The 20 minutes it takes for you to figure it out. And some things are a lot bigger than 20 minutes of discomfort, right? And you just wonder, how is it they can do this? How is it a mother can abort her own child? How is it a world can be so violent? How is it sinners live like sinners? It's because they're hard in their heart, and they've lost all sensitivity. How many of you got some sensitivity when you got saved, and the moment you just cussed again, you felt sensitive? Man, that was me. I used to cuss people out. It did not matter. Man, I went to bed easy that night. I didn't think anything about it. I am not boasting in my sin. But I remember watching Scarface and wanting to be like that. And I would hang around some of my pot smokers. This is no joke. This is not to boast in my sin. But this is just to show you how no sensitivity was in my heart. And I remember one of my friends said something stupid in front of everybody. And I slapped him right in his face in front of everybody. I remember another one of my friends, I bought shoes, and he was just teasing me. And he said, what will you do if I step on it? And I said, just try it. He stepped on it, and I knocked him out to the floor. My friend had to get me out of his house and say, never come back again. Now, I've been in fights and not done so well. But listen to me. I had no sensitivity. But the moment I got saved and I'm delivering pizzas and my boss yells at me and I cussed her out in return, I went home and I felt bad. I'm only been saved a few weeks, and I say to my mom, Mom, what's going on? She said, well, what happened? Well, my boss yelled at me. I told her to F off. I quit. I had quit over 30 jobs before I was 18 years old. 
And she said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And I said, yeah, I feel so bad. What's the Holy Spirit want me to do? She said, call her up and apologize. And that took me a few minutes before I wanted to do that. I was like, is there another option? I didn't get my job back, but I called her up and apologized. And I said, I'm sorry for cussing you out in front of everybody. Do you remember that when you first became a Christian, how you got sensitivity again? It was almost like you became a child in some ways, right? Especially for those of us who lived gritty lives. Thank God for those who have been brought up in church like our children. May you never lose it. May you never lose your sensitivity. This is important to understand. That's why they are the way they are. But now look at verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you learned about Christ, when you were taught with him, uh, taught in, in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Somebody say the truth. Now, you see, this is important about our message today because it's always going to come back down to truth, and the truth will set you free. So where is the truth? The truth is in Jesus. Where is the truth about Hillary Clinton and all the lies she's told and the, and the affairs that Trump has had and all the businesses who has ripped us off and your neighbor who lets his dog poop on your, in your yard but tells you he doesn't? Where is the truth? It's in Jesus, and everybody wants to be like Jesus. will tell the truth like Jesus, but then the flip side is true. Where are all the lies? They're with the devil and the father of lies. So you tell lies... You're like the devil. You tell the truth even though it costs you something. Come on, we're going to be talking about not borrowing Social Security numbers on immigration papers and taxes. Hello. We're going to talk about telling the truth even though it costs you something. You're with Jesus because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Do you know why science is true when it works? Because Jesus is true. You want to know why mathematics is true? When it works, it's because Jesus is true. There is not one truth that doesn't go back to Jesus, and the same is true with lies. There's not one lie that doesn't go back to the devil saying, if you eat this apple or this fruit, you become God, and you'll know good from evil and make your own rules because isn't that what every lie really is? It's basically you acting as God saying, I don't, you, I don't need to tell you nothing. I get to decide what I think is good and bad around here. But we weren't taught with that. We were taught in Christ to know the truth. How many have been taught about Christ and to know the truth? Amen. Four of you. I'm glad you came to church today. The rest of you, we're going to get you away from El Diablo. We're going to get you with Jesus, amen. Look at verse 22. You were taught with regard to the former way of life. That's why I can baptize 8-year-old Johnny as we did last week, the Lopez's oldest son, because we know Johnny, even though he's been taught right, he himself has chosen sin at a time, so he must be born again too. He must choose life and put off death. And so every Christian must do that. Whether they're a child like my baby Hannah right here who's now seven years old, she lied to us too. One day, I'll just tell on all my little kids. And by the way, let me tell you why there's a front row here because these guys said, can we start coming to church? Even though our children's church goes to 10, some of these kids said, can we start coming right now at 7, 8, and 9? Let's give it up for this front row. Amen? They love Jesus. We had a Christmas party here at the church. We gave away gifts to over 300 children in the neighborhood, most of them inner city. Many of them we bust in from the west side. Are you listening? And my daughter won something. It was hers. She didn't have to lie about it. It was hers. But we gave her one rule. Don't open it until you get home. But you know what? She wanted to open it. And instead of getting caught opening her gift, you know what she did? She said someone stole it. Someone stole it, so she wouldn't get caught with an open gift. We then began, and I'll tell you the truth, we began as parents to suspect the visitors we had brought in and said, which one of them stole it? Which one of you kids on the bus has stole this from my daughter? You know, I got that attitude. Don't you all look at me crazy. Don't you look at me. You wouldn't do the same thing. Come on now. I started looking at who I don't know. Oh, you look crazy, kid. I bet you took my daughter's toy. Oh, we went through it all. We tried to figure it out. Where was that? We were about ready to shake down the whole church, put up the x-ray thing, the metal detector. We were going to figure it out. We went and told the children's workers, oh, they gave her another one. But it wasn't until that night she felt convicted and said, I actually hid it from you because I opened it and played with it. It wasn't stolen. Here it is. 
You see, this is the lies that we teach ourselves from children age to get away with stuff. But the point is we're not getting away with it. So when she got baptized and she said, I want to live for Jesus, this is what Paul is saying to even my little sweet Hannah. You were taught in regard to your former way of life, Hannah, the way you lied to your parents, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its what kind of desires? deceitful desires. Do you notice how our message of truth is interwoven throughout this whole passage? That's why I'm taking my time. For those of you who have already read it with us a few times quickly, I'm going a little bit slower because I want you to see it has so much to do with everything we do. Truth matters. And you know the lies that we tell the loudest, most often, and the most amount of are the lies we tell ourselves. And the lie that I see mankind telling itself right now is I'm good without God. I got a brain, I figured it out, I got a job, I got some money in the bank, look at my education, look at my house, look at my boat, I've got it figured out and you are deceiving yourselves. You can no more save yourself than you can make yourself a bird right now and soar on the wind. You can no more save yourself than you can bring yourself to heaven right now because that's literally what you think you're going to do. You think when you die, you're going to will and wish yourself to heaven. And it will be futile. It will not happen. You need God to tell you the truth about yourself. You've been a liar. You've lied not only to others but to yourself about who you are. No, do I think we should walk around going, I'm just a worm, I'm just but the dust of the earth? No, but we should walk around humble and say, I am just the dust of the earth compared to my great God, but he cares about me. He loves me, so I accept my position as creation and creator. He is the great I am, I'm the great I'm not. But when I'm with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, amen? Without him, I'm nothing. In verse 23, now notice it talked about their their thinking was futile. He says, but now be made new in the attitude of your mind. So get rid of stinking thinking and start thinking like a Christian and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, there's a false righteousness and a false holiness. There's a false righteousness that tells women, oh, you can't cut your hair or wear makeup or you can't wear pants or guys, you can't have a beard. You know, that's what religion will tell you. Or you can't eat meat on Friday or you have to pray five times a day towards a rock in Mecca, or you can't eat lechon. Come on, somebody. You can't eat pork. See, there will be people who will give you man-made false righteousness and holiness. But God says when you're like him, when you're godly, you put on your new self, which you don't make, he makes for you. The Bible says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God makes you holy and righteous, and that's the truth. Amen. Now let's read verse 25 together. One, two, three. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. This is our passage. You see how it plays together with the whole passage? He says, this is who you are not supposed to be. You're not supposed to be like the Gentiles who are hard-hearted, who've lost all sensitivity, who live in greed and pride and immorality. You're supposed to be a new person in righteousness and holiness. You're supposed to be like God, and God made you like that. That's what he made you for. Amen? And then as you do that, what's the first thing he now tells us to do? Take off falsehood. Stop lying to others. Now I'll read the rest, and you'll see how we'll get to the rest of these messages as we go on. There's 17 in this passage. We're on number three today. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Don't let the verses and chapters throw you off. The original didn't have chapters or verses. Read it as a Facebook message. You don't read a little bit of the message that you get on Facebook and then go back and look at it, do you? Because you know now it shows that you've already looked at it. So they're going to be like, what you doing, man? It's been two hours. So it says you looked at it. How many know what I'm talking about? You got some crazy people in your life too, right? Keep going. Chapter 5. Follow God's example. Whose example? God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love. 
just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint not even a hint of sexual immorality. Some of you are allergic to food. Will just a hint blow up your day? Just a hint of peanuts can send my daughter into apoplectic shock. Are you listening to me? Just a hint of some of these things will blow you up. The Bible said there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. Nudge your neighbor and say, you can be sure of this. You can be sure of this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Well, what about this person? What about this? Now look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do you think if I brought Oprah Winfrey in front of us right now and I said, Oprah, do you believe that you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ? Do you believe the wrath of God is upon you? And just, and just name a few things. Because you sleep with Stedman, you're not married to him. You deny Jesus as the only way. You feel he's on a buffet as, as, as well of Buddha and Krishna and you can pick whatever version you want. And because you teach that homosexuality is okay and that men and women can change genders by mutilating their bodies, just to name a few, just name a Oprah, do you feel that the wrath of God is on you? What do you think she'll say? Of course not. She'll say, no, 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 no. Come on, listen, listen. God is love. And God loves us all, and we're all his children. And if I've done anything wrong that I haven't known about on judgment day, he'll be merciful to me. The Bible says, let no one deceive you. Because of such things, the things that are named in the Bible, the things we as preachers are supposed to talk about, even though we're not as popular as others, these are the things we're supposed to warn you about because the wrath of God is coming on them. What did Adam and Eve do in the garden to get them kicked out? Did they murder? Were they Hitlers? No, they disobeyed. So I will go the same way as Oprah if I disobey. I will go that same way. Are you listening, people? Therefore, do not be partners with them. Be careful with who you get into a relationship with. Make sure they agree upon your faith in Jesus Christ. When you're doing business with people, though you may not always be able to do it with Christians, I understand, but make sure they at least understand the principles of good morals which are based in the Bible. Do not be in partnership with those who don't honor your God and his commands. Now look at what it says, verse 8, For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's why I name public people. It's not that I don't love Oprah. I pray for her. It's not that I don't love Trump or Clinton or any of them, but I make sure I give them both the same time. Amen? Okay? I'm an equal offender. Okay? Now listen. But that does not mean that I'm going to name your name. I'm not here to name personal names. What I'm here to do is to name public names that have sin in their lives and want to act like it's okay. The Bible tells me to expose them. It is not okay to have three marriages and each one ending in an affair. It is not okay to be for the mutilation of children in the womb. It is not okay in our culture whether everybody agrees or not. God made us for kingdom culture. Our culture should be that of heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our job is to expose what is not of heaven. Amen? It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. That's why we can't even talk very much about what they're doing anymore. We can just mention their names, but now you know the things they do. It's getting more vile and more disgusting. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. How many know the Bible says through Jesus, you're the light of the world? Verse 14, that's why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Nudge your neighbor and say, wake up, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. How many of you want Christ to shine on you? You want to be in the light of Christ. Here it is. Be very careful then how you live. Be very, this is Paul talking, right? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity for the days are what? 
The days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I remember one time preaching to my friends in Fort Wayne, and they hadn't seen me for a while, and I invited them to a church that I was visiting. And I just remember my friend, he came to me like as if he had just drinking water out of a fire hose. I mean, it was just like shock all over his face. And he said, Joe, two things about you. Uh, number one, I have never been offended more by a preacher than you in the half hour I was here. And number two, I loved it because I understood everything you said, and I have never understood a preacher more than I understood you. I'm just telling you, you may walk out of here offended, but I would rather offend your mind and open your heart than for you to walk out of here with a hard mind and an ignorant mind, a hard heart and ignorant mind. You can disagree with me, but disagree with me from the Scripture. If I've said something wrong, you tell me. The days are evil. Don't be foolish. Know the will of God. Is it any more clearer? Don't be immoral. Don't be impure. Don't lie to each other. Don't be full of bitterness and rage. Don't be futile in your thinking like non-Christians. Be the light of the world. Be the light of the world. Let the world see us as they once did. Sir Isaac Newton wrote more about the Bible than he did physics, but he changed and brought about a scientific revolution, changed the way we saw physics. The people of the arts were Christians and brought the best of Christian art to us, the Sistine chapels, the David sculpture. Let it be again, like in our universities. What is it? I always forget. Northwestern, right? Northwestern, the big uh, college here that was founded by Methodists, Veritas, truth on their motto, along with Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. Let them not think of us as just those who are against them, but those who are for them in the kingdom of God being established because it will benefit everyone. Amen. Don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father. For how many things? For everything. For how many things? For everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, are you, are you blessed by that passage? That was just the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, that's just the intro. Here are the 17 things we went over. These, these are the messages I have to preach. Do you understand that? I could come before you every week and just tell you about how to be a millionaire, live your best life now, or I can go through the, the teachings of Paul and teach you step by step because I guarantee you we don't get this. We need to be encouraged to live it and inspired by it. Be inspired by it. So today we're going to talk about taking off falsehood and putting on truth. Next week, not giving a place to the devil with anger. There are things you will do in anger that you would never do under any other mindset. Come next week and learn how to put your anger in check because the devil loves it when we are out of control in anger because he can, he can use us as his little puppet to give into things we would never do. There are people in hell and people in jail and people divorced and people separated from their kids because they wish they could hear the lesson I'm going to give next week. Amen? Amen. We'll learn to walk in the peace of God. And I will be telling you some personal stories about me and my anger as I get ready to tell you some stories about me lying. Are you already here about a preacher lying and being honest about it? Okay, look at the scriptures. The scriptures teach us truthhood, truthfulness over falsehood. The Bible says we shouldn't lie to each other but tell the truth. Revelation 21, 7 through 8 says that liars go to hell, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is a second death. Can you erase that from the word of God? No, you can't. All liars will go to hell, my friend. You must repent of your lying. You say, what if I've lied since being a Christian? Repent and do not continue in it. Do you know that there are seven things that God hates? He actually hates. These are the seven things, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands, hands that shed innocent blood. That's why we hate abortion, amen? That's an innocent child doesn't deserve to die. Well, what if the person is raped? Uh, kill the rapist and let the child live, amen? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I don't know about you, but did you count? There are four things God hates out of the list of seven that have to do with lying. See if you caught it. The lying tongue, that's obviously lying. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Do you know anybody that does a wicked scheme that doesn't lie to do it? Any bank robber that says, hey, here's a wicked scheme. I'm going to rob you guys, and here I come. No, wicked schemes involve deception, don't they? 
How about this? A false witness who pours out lies, who talks about others falsely and tells lies about them. That's the third one. And then the fourth one, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. If you have the right heart and tell the truth, can conflict be good? Absolutely. But when does conflict get bad? When you tell lies and you spread gossip and you slander. Four out of the seven things God hates has to do with lies. Is it any wonder he calls the devil a liar and he says of himself, I am the truth. We are talking black and white, good versus evil here. Proverbs 13, uh, Proverbs 11, 3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them. And the unfaithful, rather, are destroyed by their duplicity. Double-minded people who say one thing to this person, another thing to that person, one thing to their wife, another one to their adulterous lover, one thing to their children, and another thing to their co-workers. That person will be destroyed. All lies will be found out either in this life or the one to come. But the upright sleep with a good conscience, clear conscience, nothing to fear. Amen? My wife can check my Facebook at any time. And women, if your men will not let you do that, they're hiding something from you, okay? Well, no, maybe you just got to trust me. Well, let me trust you while I look at your Facebook, okay? Let me, let me trust you while I ask you to show me trust. You show me trust, and I'll keep trusting you. Get their password. Have their phone on your, have it on your phone. Have that, uh, that account of whatever Snapchat duplicated onto your phone. Follow them directly. Why? Because everyone should have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. Ask our accountant today to print out to you every penny we've spent in this church. I have nothing to hide. I'll tell you how much I've made, how much we spend on repairing carpet all the time. I'll tell you every expense in Jesus' name. I have nothing to hide. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I know it doesn't say lying there per se, but you know why many people lie? Because they fear man. They're afraid to be who they really are. That's why the Bible says if you're going to be evil, be evil for all to know. Don't hide your evil because that hiding your evil creates more evil and more pain. You don't want to serve God? That's fine. Tell me you don't want to serve God. You don't want to be married to the woman you're with? Leave her. Go and do your own thing. Let us now know that that's going to be who you're going to be, right? But stop this cheating. Stop the hiding. Children, you want to live on your own at 16? My mom said, here you go. At 18, when they said it was legally, she gave me my keys and said, goodbye, Hello, do not keep adult children in your house if they don't want to live for God. Let them go be whoever they want to be. The gift of goodbye is sometimes the best gift you can give anybody. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Can I get an amen from this Presbyterian church today? Is this a Presbyterian church or a Pentecostal church? Do you believe the word of God? You can say, oh my, oh me, but what's it best to say? Amen. Let me make it plain. Your pastor prayed for you in closing. My closings are short, but I prayed for you in closing. Seven ways to stop telling lies, and I'm going to be honest with you in number one, okay? Put off lying on your job to customers, bosses, to the employees, on government documents, and to the police. We need to stop lying when it counts. When it counts to tell the truth, we need to tell the truth. If you are here illegally, own up with it, own up to it, and try to get help to stay. Do not use a social security number that's not yours. Stop lying. You have bosses, don't lie to your bosses. Your boss says what time you, you're supposed to be there. You didn't come in at that time, you lie, that's a sin. Stop doing that. Bosses have employees, don't ask your employees to do illegal things. You'd be surprised how often bosses, because I know I have bosses here too, how often I have employees come to me telling me that bosses make them do illegal things. Listen, don't do the illegal thing, quit your job, expose them to the officials and move on, amen? And bosses tell the truth, okay? I'm being honest with you now. We need to be truthful. Say how many kids you have. Don't lie about the kids that you have on your documents. Tell the truth in all that you do when it relates to others. Police pull you over. Woo! Do you know you were going 85 and 55? If you know, say, yes, sir, I do know, and I'm sorry, and I plead for your mercy. I'm being absolutely honest with you. The biggest lie that I've told since being a Christian, I've only told one bold-faced lie. I will tell you about lies of... Um, of being civil. civil, civility sometimes, people say it's okay to lie, you know, honey, do I look fat in this? I'm going to tell you, I, I did that a lot, and I don't do that anymore, and I'll tell you how, how I get around that, but, but, here's, but here's the deal, that's going to be fun, that's going to be fun, take notes, okay, because I had to go through a lot of heartache to get to this point to understand how to do that stuff, but here's the deal, I'm talking full-on lie, I know the truth, somebody asked me a question, this was the one time I've lied in 20 years, I had bought a 50, uh, 44 passenger bus in Alabama, 
I had my friend bring me out there and drop me off. I was with a homeless guy because I had homeless people live with me. I took in over 30 people that were homeless when I was uh, pastoring in New Orleans. I drove the bus all the way back from uh, Alabama to New Orleans to the DMV, and I was going to get the CDL commercial driver's license. So I just show up, and I'm like, hey, give me the test. I'm ready to get the thing. Let's go on. I think it's going to be pretty much like, what do you do at a red light? What do you do at a green light? So basically, I fail the test. The woman comes back to me with the paper, and she says, you really don't know anything about this, do you? And I said, no, I have no idea what it means to do this now, because on the test, I could tell I was bombing it. She goes, okay, well, here's the book. You need to study and come back. And she goes, and you didn't drive that bus here, did you? And I full on lied. And I said, no, ma'am, I didn't. She said, good, because I'm going to watch you not drive it out of here then, right? So I literally go, in, and I'm not, I'm not proud of this. I'm ashamed. But I'm just going to tell you the truth, okay? I go to the bus. I got homeless Willie there, and I say, Willie, listen to me. I'm going to need you to drive this bus off the property right now lest we all get in trouble. And Willie's like, Pastor, I ain't even got a license. I'm not going to drive this bus off here. I'm like, Willie, listen to me. Willie, you're going to drive this bus off here. Pastor, you're going to get us all arrested. Willie, if you want a place to sleep tonight, you driving the bus off this property while this woman's looking at us. Pastor, you've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but we're going to get arrested. He drives the bus off the lot. I was convicted. I had sinned against my God. I had to repent. How many of us tell lies thinking that it's the right thing? See, that tested my integrity. Here was my chance to tell the truth even when it hurts, but I chose the easy way out. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit to convict me. And I can tell you now that I haven't told a lie since that time. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. No, I'm telling you that's the truth. If there's anyone here that can convict me of a lie, come convict me of a lie after surface. Now, there may be things I don't know you say incorrect. I understand that. I do that too. But I'm talking, guys, stop lying, bold-faced lies. We know better, don't we? We were taught in regards to Christ to take off that nonsense. Amen? We need to stop lying to each other. Now, this is where it may get a little personal. Watch your toesy-woesies. But we need to stop lying to each other, especially our children, about superstitions. Chubrukabla. How do you say that name? Chubrukabla. One person now. Good, sir. You tell me. Chupacabra. Does anybody know what I'm trying to say? Chupacabra, this Latino myth. The boogeyman, if you do something wrong, child, if you don't listen, the chupacabra going to get you. We need to stop telling our children these lies. And then Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny. You know why? Because then we teach them that myth and truth go side by side. When I was an 18-year-old kid at my mother's kitchen table, you know what the last argument out of my mouth was before I repented and became a Christian? Was I said, Jesus is just like the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. You see, if we teach, if we abuse our children's faith and teach them to believe myth instead of God's truth, they'll think Jesus dying on the cross is the same uh, as uh, Santa Claus going to visit them. The gift of faith is a gift to children where they believe us and they listen to us. Let us only teach them what is true. Amen? Here's the one right here where you guys got to just listen to me on this, okay? So we got to put off lying when asked about food, especially when you got relatives like I do. When Yaya, my Greek grandmother, you know, the grandmother to my children, when Yaya asks you if you like it, or when your wife asks you about clothes, do I look fat in this? Or when somebody shares an idea, I'm going to go move to Florida or whatever, or asks you a question, even children, you need to speak the truth to them. Where do babies come from? If a child's old enough to ask, they're old enough to get the answer. Just, just talk to them on a child's level. Now, here's what I do with the food thing. I just, I used to say, it's good, I love it, thank you, when I knew I hated it, right? But I had to learn restaurants and everybody around you will appreciate the truth, right? Maybe they may, may some may not at first, let me say that. But especially restaurants, I used to say I love my meal even when I didn't because I was taught to be polite like that. But they learn from your honest critiques. And then people in your life will literally learn what you like and you don't like. So be honest with them, but don't be rude. So here's just what I say. Hey, do you like this? Is this what you like? Or do you want more of it? And I'll say, I really appreciate this. Is what I'll say. I really appreciate you making this for me. I'm good. Then if they ask me again, like, no, no, I know you appreciate me making it, but do you like it? Then I'll say, there are things that I like better, honestly. If they keep going, then I'll just be like, listen, I hate this. 
I don't ever want you to make this for me again. This is almost the equivalent of me looking at barf right now. Honestly, this, this will make me puke. I remember going to uh, uh, Chilapa, Nayari, Mexico with Ishmael Lopez to visit his mama there, his madre. And I got up early one day to have breakfast. And what was she making? Like liver, brain, tacos, innards. Making the innards, you know, making the innards in the morning, like six in the morning, making guts, pig intestine. Was it pig intestine? Beef intestine, right? So I get up and I'm like, dear God, I got to eat this and be respectful, right? So I'm eating pig and innards in the village of Chilapa thinking I'm the gringo. This, this madre is always going to love, right? I watch Ish come in the room. He's like, what is that nasty stuff? I don't want that. Mom, make me this and eggs and quesadilla. And I'm like, it works like that? Like you could just tell madre what you don't like? Madre, I don't want this. Make me some chorizo, woman. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, it's like, wow, okay, she appreciates the truth. Most people will appreciate the truth. So the same thing, this is what I do with my wife. When she asks me, honey, do I look fat in this? Do you want the honest answer? That's all I ask her. Do you want the truth? Because I won't tell you the truth. And you can't get mad at me. We have a rule. When you, when you, get, when you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? So women, don't beat up your guys if you're asking for a question. Now, guys, the way you can do it, and here's how I do it once again. Just, you can take it or leave it. It's up to you. But I just say, there are things, honey, you look much better in than this right now. That's what I say. But if she wants to know, I got to tell her. Come on, somebody say, help us, Lord. How about this one, man? We got to put off line when we're telling stories or sharing our accomplishments. How many know somebody at work, either in your family, your neighbor, that when they tell stories, man, they just lie? And it's just like, man, why are you lying? Fishermen lie about their stories. Businessmen lie. Even in the church, we call this evangelistically speaking. You know, like how many were there today, Joe? Like 250 or something like 100. You know, it's like evangelistic. It's a sin. I was listening to one of my friends, one of the biggest churches in Chicago. He kept going on the news and all these places saying they were running 20,000. And it just got to me. I called them up, honestly. And I said, why are you all saying you're running 20,000? Your building only holds 700. They said, yeah, we have five services. I'm like, do you know how to do math? Do you know five times 700? It's not 20,000. Oh, well, we have other campuses. I go, I know your other campuses. You all want to know the name of this church. But anyways, I'd be messy, I guess, sometimes. Because I had to call them up. I'd be like, you guys are making us look dumb. If your church runs 3,000, that's awesome. But why say 20,000? If you got a, a 6K promotion, now you're not in the 80s anymore, you in 125, just say that. Don't be like, man, you know, I'm like in the middle of the, uh, of the six uh, figure, you know, trying to give people the impression you're making 250,000. There's no reason to lie. You know, there's, there's just no reason for it, friends. Tell your truth. Tell it honestly. Be proud of what you have and what you don't have. Earn it and work for it. Amen? Put off lying in the church. Come on, somebody say amen. Put off lying in the church when you're asked about your faithfulness to keep God's commands and your commitment to ministry. Man, I'm telling you, I am like Missouri now. I'm the show me state because I've had so many people be like, Pastor, you're the best pastor ever. I'm going to come every week. I'm never going to miss. It's like you are lying. Just show me. Do it. And we, we, we wonder why, like, a church like ours has to have so many structures to, to have you work with the children or the youth. You know why? Because people lie. People, I've got people here from other churches that have been burned out, that have closed down, or other things have happened because people lied about their commitment. People didn't help. People didn't give. Just be honest. You meet with your 101-er and you just had sex with your girlfriend? Tell them, I ain't living for Jesus right now. Pray for me. Help me understand why I should stop or whatever. Don't come and be like, no, we're good. We're living holy. What is the purpose of that? That is like literally coming to your trainer. We got trainers in the church. Come on. You literally come into your trainer after you ate a triple-decker chocolate cake the night before going, I'm doing good with my calories. Be honest. Why are you lying? Just tell him or him or her, yeah, I blew up my calories this weekend. I need help. Help me burn it off. Whip my behind out here, man. Let me sweat it off, right? Lies don't ever work. Do lies make life better? 
Let me just say this. Is there any part of your life where you're just like, I wish people would lie to me more? Like, husband, lie to me more. Wife, lie to me more. Kids, lie to me more. Boss, lie to me more. Government, please, lie to me more. None of us want it. So we're going to start by telling the truth. Amen? We're going to put off lying when we talk to others, talk about others. Let me just say this. Conflict is a part of life. But the moment you are in conflict, because I'm there a lot as a pastor, I have to get in between conflicts, right? The moment I'm in a conflict, you know what I say to myself? I better watch my words and how I describe this to other people because I'm going to be held accountable on Judgment Day for how I talked about that person, okay? It is true, many of you have had messed up lives or hardships and relationships or you've had tough jobs or tough employees, etc. But here's the deal, you don't need to lie about it when you tell it to somebody else. You know, just tell the truth. You know, my dad wasn't there for me. You know, my dad was mean and my dad would abuse me. You know, but you don't got to go lying at saying other things your dad didn't do, right? Right? And the same thing is like when we tell each other these things, it shouldn't even be, the Bible says, for gossip. It should be for prayer, for edification, for help. Maybe somebody wants to know why you broke up with so-and-so. You guys used to sit together every week. You were booze. You were, that was your bae. And now you ain't together. Just say, we're not together. It wasn't for me. She's not for me. Or, or you know, he's not for me, whatever. You don't have to lie and say, well, this, this, and that. But if it's true, then you need to use discretion. That's what we talked about before. you got to learn discretion. And this is what I want to say at this point as well. This doesn't, this doesn't mean when we tell the truth that every business deal we're going to get into, we're going to tell the people our cost of goods and everything. We can be shrewd, the Bible says. We can learn how to disseminate our information in a way that's successful. But you'll know the difference between that and a lie. Okay? Let's be truthful. God will teach you. And then the, uh, the last thing right here, the seventh thing is put off lying to God and to others when you, when you say you're going to do something and you have no intention of doing it. Somebody say, speak the truth. If we can speak the truth to God and to each other, he will use us. You will never be closer to God than when you are your most vulnerable and your most honest. When you are your true self to God, you will see how much God loves you. And yet he loves you so much he won't let you stay that way. But be honest with God. Do you want to know how I quit smoking after being saved a few months? You know how I did? By laying on my face going, dear God, I can't break this habit. Will you please help me and show me my way out? See, I was honest. You want to know why the last time I looked at pornography was 1996? It was because I said to God, help me to not do this again. He helps us. The Bible says he leads us not into temptation. He will deliver us from evil. Amen? So even in your business, let me just say this last thing to make it clear. If you're high up in business and people come to you and they ask for help, be honest. Man, I'm sorry. I don't have time to help you. I can recommend a website. One of my employees, somebody on my team can't do it. Don't do the cheesy, yeah, man, call me. We'll go out for lunch. And then you never pick up their calls. Don't do that in life. Remember where it was once when you were in their position, right? And if you say you're going to do it, take up that call. And the same thing is now with those of you starting. A lot of young adults here, you're starting your careers. Your boss says, hey, I need a couple people at the end of the month. Are you going to be there on a Saturday? We're going to put in grind. We're going to make it happen. Yeah, I'll be there. And then your, your friend calls you up and says, man, we're going to the lake. It's the first nice day of the spring. We're heading to the beach or whatever. Don't blow off your boss and be like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I forgot I had to go to this thing with my family. It's so important, man. I'll be there next time. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Your boss would have appreciated if you just would have said the first day, no, I'm sorry. He wouldn't have counted on you that day. Are you listening? So do we put off lying? Yes. Can we do it? Yes. Now the question is, do we want to do it? I want you to see this as the band and altar workers come, please. It's that old saying that they would uh, do, you know, when they put their hand on the Bible uh, at the court scene or if you've ever been in court. Some of y'all had to do this. I've had to do this. But we don't swear, because the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So here's what I want to ask you guys today. Do you solemnly commit to telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Do you want to commit to that? Because I want to commit to that with you. I know sometimes that it's not easy. There have been other difficult situations, and the time is just, I don't have the ability to go into them but we're even tougher, tougher than the situation with me at the DNV, and I can almost like feel my lip quivering just to get out the words of the truth. But I was saying, I'm not lying this time. You know, even if it costs me something, I'm gonna tell this person the truth. 
you've got to get to the point where you can just tell the truth no matter the consequence. One of the things that hurt me the most, let me say this in closing, I do have time for this. One of the things that hurt me the most is when my wife and I were in premarital counseling, some questions came up about her past. I'm not going to get into it. It wasn't even that big of a deal, and she didn't tell me the truth. Now, at the time, she, she told a lie, so I believed it. But it was a few months into the marriage that she said, man, I feel convicted. I want to tell you, when we went through this, and, you know, and I was asked about my past, I told you this because I wanted to look better in front of you, but this is the real honest truth. Listen to me. Everybody look up at me, please. The amount of pain that I felt because of the lie was so enormously big compared to if she would have just told me the truth in the moment. And I am asking you as just God's people, will you please spare people from the, the pain of the lie? The lie messed with my head for weeks. The, the, the situation of her past, you know, it was just a question, things about our past, you know. Oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. It would, it would have been like a shock or whatever, but it would have just been not a big deal. Are you getting me? Can I hear an amen to this? It would not have been a big deal. But the fact it was a lie. Psh, is she lying about other things? I just, I mean, literally, I had to ask her like 10 times after that, are you lying about this? Are you lying? Because my head was just spinning. And it's the same thing in the church, man. People will lie to us about the thing they were doing. I'm just like, man, just tell us where you're at in this, you know. Or a family member. You guys have been there. You know what I'm talking about. You would just rather the truth. My plea with you today is that I insist on it in the Lord. You tell the truth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We commit our lives to your truth. Help us now to tell it wherever we go. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you if you've told a lie to stand up and we're, you know, going to embarrass you in that way. Not going to do that. But if you feel like you're already convicted about some stuff, will you talk to the Lord about it right now? Just where you're at, just say, Lord, forgive me. I, I already got stuff in my mind. Lord, you brought it to my attention. I can't hide it. If it involves other people, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, do I need to go talk to them? Do I need to make it right? Do I need to address the situation? Come on, look at your heart. Pray, Lord, forgive me. Help me address these situations. And then those of us who have addressed them and are dealing with them, I know I'm moving through this quickly, but I just want to help you to learn how to pray through this. Now just say, Lord, keep me in truth. Remind me. Even if I'm mid-sentence, and trust me, I have been there before, in mid-sentence, having to stop and say, no, no. Uh, no, it wasn't 200 that we had at that service. No, that, that one was 150. I'm sorry. 200 was the other one. You know, God will stop you in mid-sentence. Ask him, Lord, teach me to tell the truth. Stop my lies. Forgive me when I've done it. Help me to make reconciliation and teach me to tell the truth everywhere I go. A few more moments. Say it in your own words. God, we want to be truthful. Oh, dear God, I want to be an honest man. An example to my wife and children, to this church. May there never be a secret that comes out about me that makes the people here feel embarrassed because they believed in me as their pastor. Oh Lord, may I be held upright by the integrity you give me. May I not be destroyed by my duplicity. May I fear God more than I fear man so I don't try to impress others and make myself something that I'm not. May I be dependable, God. May I be trustworthy. May people count on me. As we get ready to say amen, I want to ask you this heartfelt question. In whatever area of life you are in right now, would you want 100 people just like you? On your job, would you want 100 employees that treat your boss the way you do? If you're a boss right now, would you want 100 employees running the business the way you do? If you're married right now, would you want your children's marriage to multiply to their children's children's children, 100 generations like the way you are right now? Come on. Those of you who serve in the government and help out, do you want 100 police officers like you, 100 military like you, 100 uh, aldermen like you? Come on, answer the question. Do you want 100 Christians like you? Or are we going to get called hypocrites if we got 100 like you in here now? Come on, be honest. Because we should all desire to be like Jesus now, right? Because I want 100 Jesuses running around this city. I want 100 people like Jesus on my job. 
I want a hundred children and children and grandchildren like Jesus. Come on, I want a hundred people being a king like Jesus, being a governor like Jesus. Jesus, make it real in our lives. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can you stand up and give it up for Jesus today one more time? He is the way, the truth, and the life. We love you, God. Amen. Thank you for coming. This is how we'll dismiss today. Our prayer workers will be here for you to receive prayer, or you can hang out and worship. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a great day. We'll see you at Life Groups.